Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, along with Andrew P. Shea. Andy, we are a Penn State football show primarily. But we've got to start with basketball this week. It seems like just a week ago, we were all excited. Penn State made the tournament, actually had a win in the tournament for the first time in God knows how long. And now here we are a week later. Micah Shrewsbury is off to Notre Dame. I wanted to get your reaction. So it's, 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 yeah, it's always tough for, uh, basketball programs at quote-unquote football schools and there's the gap is closing at some places in the country it's the same sometimes for football programs at basketball schools but at Penn State that gap's continued to remain it's been a it's a basketball program that is mired in mediocrity it has little flickers here and there you know every decade or so it gets in the tournament takes out you know Every 15 years, it'll win a tournament game or two or make, you know, have a good showing in the NIT. But it is, it is mired in mediocrity. And it's, it's no surprise when they get a coach, the quality of Micah Shrewsbury, and they have him for two years and they have success. But that coach is not going to stay because it's a basketball program mired in mediocrity. He raises the level of it. But that also raises his profile as well. I give Penn State and its athletic department huge props for the extension they offered him. They took their shot, right? They offered him a a very, very attractive contract extension to keep him at Penn State. And it wasn't just an offer. It was legit. So they were just as serious about it as he was. And it, in the end, it seemed like it wasn't a hard decision, but I actually think it probably was a hard decision because building something is a lot more fun than taking over something and those expectations. But the draw of his Indiana roots and it being the University of Notre Dame is too much for Penn State to overcome. But I thought they that Penn State really did itself well with the way they handle coach Shrewsbury and the contract extension they offered him, it showed that they, as a university are trying to raise the level of their basketball program. It really was, it was just a different sort of path than Penn state university athletic department would have taken when it came to their men's basketball coach in the past. And, and that, that should be encouraging for fans. You know, Andy, I probably follow the Hoops team a little closer than you do, so I'd like to offer a couple of my thoughts. I agree with you with pretty much everything that you said. I do think the tiebreaker in this is Indiana is home for Micah Shrewsbury. And I think that may have been, I I call it a tiebreaker. I'm not sure if it was a difficult decision for him or not. But I also think there's some other things – that can factor into this decision. 
And I used an analogy earlier in the week uh, when we had Dustin on. I compared Shrewsbury's Penn State team a little bit to Michigan State's football team (laughs) that two years ago was so successful using the transfer portal. And then the following year, things fell uh, because you can't build a program on just transfer portal. In a way, that's what Penn State basketball did with, you know, Pickett and Funk and Winters and even Michael Henn came in from the transfer portal and led this team. Well, now all of those guys are gone along with holdover Seth Lundy, Miles Dredd. You also have Caleb Dorsey and Johnson who have hit the portal. This was going to be a very tough season for whoever took over this program. Now, I don't think this is Micah Shrewsbury saying, uh-oh, I, there's no way I could have won again at Penn State. Right. But if there was ever a time to leave, this was probably a good time for that. Now, though, going forward, what this offers is Pat Kraft, his first really big test. If unless you want to call retaining Shrewsbury, you know, his first test. But I don't think that was a fair fight for him. I don't think he had a chance of winning that. And as you said, Penn State put out a legitimate offer. So now it's going to be, this is going to be perhaps the biggest hire Pat Kraft is going to make at Penn State because James Franklin's not going anywhere. So this is the basketball hire. And Penn State fans got a bit of a taste of what the tournament is like this year, and they liked it, Andy. So the pressure is going to be on to make the right selection for this next coach. Yeah, I. Uh, it's still a mediocre basketball program, Jimmy, that just had a little flash in the pan. Yeah, there's there's pressure on Pat Kraft to find someone to – I don't think you can have an expectation of keeping at that level, but – it's more or less let's not let it fall through the basement again and and drop off, you know, off the face of the earth. That's more the challenge I see in finding a coach that's able to sort of steer this through what is going to be, you know, a very difficult next season and maybe even a little bit of a two-year run. But for him, this is a long – This is he has to look at this as a long-term hire. Like this isn't a short-term – we could get some players and do something right now. He has to look a little bit more long-term, and I still think the program needs just a little bit more, you know, not necessarily this level type success where they're winning tournament games and making it to the Big Ten tournament championship game, but just not being next to last or last in the Big Ten, right? That's, that's sort of the place they're at, and add a little bit more to it before you start thinking, you know, Hey, we can make the tournament every year. That's just unrealistic. That's just my two cents. With or without Micah Shrewsbury. With or without well, Coach Shrewsbury. I'm going to take a little bit different uh, angle on this, Andy. See, I don't think it's unrealistic to have a Penn State basketball program that makes the tournament, if not every year, but most years. I mean... 64 or 68 teams actually make it to the tournament every year. If you're Penn State with the resources Penn State has, 
with the contract they have as being part of the Big Ten, being able to spend on a coach and spend on the program. Now, I'm not saying they're going to be national championship contenders, that they're going to turn themselves into North Carolina or Duke or Kansas. But to expect the team to be tournament worthy, I don't think that's too high a goal. The other part to it, different from football, it's easier to upgrade your basketball program because there's only five guys on the court. Penn State made that leap this past year by bringing in guys from schools like Marist and Bucknell, you know, not the, and Drexel. And they were a very good team based on that. Now, the challenge that I believe Pat Kraft's going to have is some of the former players, they're pushing for assistant coach Adam Fisher to be the guy who takes over. In most, in like many scenarios, when you replace the coach, the assistant coach hire will be popular with the players. It helps with continuity. But as you pointed out, is that the long-range answer? Is that the best guy to take you, not just to try to maintain what talent you have going into the next season, but can help you over the next eight to ten years, Andy? Yeah, no, you're you're right. It's it's I still think it's a tough spot because it's still a very mediocre basketball program. And we can agree to disagree on them being a likely tournament team on an annual basis. I mean, it's still about players and, you know, drawing college basketball players to state college outside of unique situations on a consistent basis is just hard. It's just a difficult, difficult sell right now. So, well, Michael Shrewsbury could flat out coach and Notre Dame knew it. And Notre Dame had the hometown card in their back pocket. I mean, you know, Born, you know, raised in Indianapolis, played college basketball in Indiana. Hello, hometown card. There's your trumper right there. That's the, that's the ace up their sleeve. Otherwise, I don't think they get him. Well, I, I agree with that. And that's why when there was the conversation about the Georgetown opening and the Notre Dame opening, I was much more concerned about the opening at Notre Dame because of that home field advantage. And not to mention that the last time Georgetown was really good, these players were not even a gleam in their parents' eyes. But now what I think it shows is, remember, Micah Shrewsbury had not been a head coach prior to getting the job at Penn State. And if we're going to take this two years, and and by the way, I do think Shrewsbury did a great job. But I am going to put in the but. It wasn't over a long term, and it was kind of, fluky is the wrong word, but a very unique situation with the players that they brought in. We haven't yet seen that foundation of players coming in that were Micah Shrewsbury recruits and what they can do on the court and have a team built through high school recruits, all right? So... You could say, well, maybe that's not necessary in today's college basketball world where you can get a a much improved team through the portal. And yeah, you can, but is that the long-term answer? It will be fascinating to see, but again, it points out to 
that coach, this decision. So if it's Adam Fisher, the assistant coach versus going outside, Patrick Kraft, you got to make that call. And is the internal candidate the guy not just who will help you through this season retaining players, but is he the long-range answer? Patrick Kraft, he's the guy who's going to have to make that call, Andy. Yeah, he is going to have to make that call. And he made, the, you know, the call they made on hiring Micah, it made sense, right? Like he had all the elements except the head coaching experience, right? The NBA, the NBA ties, the coaching in the NBA. You know, he was tied to Painter and he, he had coached with him, you know, a couple times before. Outstanding assistant. Came to the forefront as a great, you know, coaching mind. So Penn State got a chance to get him and he took his shot. It looked pretty good. That's why Notre Dame was so enamored with him. Very good, Andy. That will be it for quarter number one. Quarter number two, let's get back to football. Stay tuned. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante. He is Andy Shea. Andy, we'll get back to your wheelhouse now. Let's talk some (laughs) football. How about it? Let's do it. Anyway, uh, uh, spring practice has begun, which is fantastic, which means we're not far away from the spring game coming up, which gets us Penn State fans all excited. And as we do, we hang on every word that Coach Franklin puts out there. And when he (laughs) met the media this week, 
I, part of a opened up the field for the media to watch a little bit of practice. He made some comments that I was intrigued by, and it was in regards to the wide receivers, which I think we all pretty much agree is a big question mark going into this season. And James Franklin does not typically make just offhand comments. They typically have meaning behind them, a purpose. And what intrigued me is he talked about Keandre Lambert-Smith. We need him to be the guy, like a true number one. And then he goes on to essentially say, Trey Wallace is the number two, and we're looking for a third. Were you as surprised by that as I was? And what do you think was meant by that? So I was surprised about the Keandre Lambert Smith thing. Like he must be seeing something and know, and he has to be seeing something, knowing something and be comfortable saying that. Cause he doesn't sort of put that sort of spotlight or target on players very often. Sometimes he'll, to use your famous word, he'll word salad a little bit. And then you have to look for what he really is what he really means and what he's really thinking and what he really is willing to say. But this is not, uh, that's unvarnished. That's completely unfiltered. You know, Keandre Lambert Smith, we need him to be the guy, like a number one, not just at Penn State and in the conference, but a guy people are talking about nationally. We need the receiver position to be better. At the end of the day, he's saying, our wide receiver position is a weakness and it needs to be better from the top to the 12th guy on scholarship because we have 12 guys on scholarship in the wide receiver room. One through 12, they need to be better and my expectations for them are going to be a little bit higher. That's a little bit of a departure for James without a lot of meat on that bone, but He's not wrong. He's got a very valid point with a, you know, sort of rookie starting quarterback that has a ton of talent. The wide receiver position is ground zero for Penn State and its offense. And it's a really key, key, key component to this team's overall success in 2023. Despite all the other crazy talent, if you can't have your that weakness become not necessarily a powerhouse strength, but just be something that doesn't kill this offense. And it's going to come down to that because you can't just run the ball with those stud running backs down people's throats anymore. He knows that he sees that and he he's for it to be March and him to up the game like this. He's concerned about it as well. And he understands how important it is. Obviously. For him to say it publicly, that means he's not shying away from it, Jimmy. That's just my take. Well, I don't think he's been always shy about pointing out groups that need to be better. Remember, it's every year he's talked about the offensive line. Um, so Correct. I think the, the surprising part to it is singling out Lambert Smith and Trey Wallace as being above everybody else. My take typical coach speak would be, you know, we've got 12 scholarship guys here. 
This thing is wide open. We got a new receivers coach. It's a new start. You're all starting even. It's about competition, and you all have an even shot at that. So I was a little surprised by it. Uh, let's move on to a couple other comments that he made. Uh, sticking with wide receiver a bit, when asked about the, the portal guys coming in, he was very complimentary, first of all, about Malik McClain. He's the big wide receiver transfer from Florida State, who by all accounts has, Andy, all of the physical tools to be uh, not just competitive in the wide receiver room, but get significant playing time. And he was also complimentary of Storm Duck, who is the cornerback who they brought in through the portal. In fact, he told a story about a, a play at practice where Storm Duck made the play, made the right read, and actually had had an opportunity to blow up the offensive player with his tackle and chose not to. And a lot of times when you're the new guy, I would think blowing up someone with a tackle is kind of how you'd make your mark. But he complimented Storm Duck at having the maturity that this isn't the time or place for that at spring practice. Uh, what are your thoughts on McLean and Storm Duck? Uh, two players that I think we would like to have contributors this year. So I think Storm Duck is going to be uh, right away. You can just tell that reading between the James Franklin lines and knowing what James, you know, the way, what kind of players resonate with James and how they perform. Storm Duck is going to have a, a role and an impact for this team in 2023. They're going to have three corners, right? They're going to have, Three available corners at every given time, Johnny Dixon, Storm Duck, and King, right? King's your stud recruit and two recruits. What he said, and the reason I say that is James talks about how you handle your business and how you take it. The guy's got a tremendous maturity. That sticks with James, right? He knows how to practice, yada, yada, yada. He is saying this guy knows what he's doing, is taking care of his business, and he is already standing out. That's pretty clear right there. When it comes to McLean, it's like a two-sided coin. You know, he's, he's saying what you just said. He's big, you know, big, fast, you know, strong, et cetera, et cetera. He's got all these physical tools. But he just said, I go back to what he said about re the receivers. When he was talking about McLean, he says he's got to get more comfortable. Then he'll have a chance to take the next step and – and everything, when he was talking about the wide receivers in general, he said, you know, there's going to be a competition with all these guys to figure out who the third guy's going to be. He goes, and I think that's a big question between now and the first game. Who's going to be that third guy to separate? And he said, there's a number of guys in there, but who's going to separate themselves? He's basically laying down the challenge. I think McLean falls into that part as well. We also have to kind of remember when you're talking about wide receivers and the third guy. Dante Cephas isn't on campus yet, so they're not going to get a look at him. So James isn't even going to put him as part of the equation right now. They are looking for a third guy to separate. McLean could be one of them. He still has a lot to learn and, and stuff to do to get to that level, and he's in that mix to figure out who is going to be that third and fourth guy. Penn State will use four receivers on a consistent basis if they got him. They're going to need receivers this year. He is on the hunt for them, big time. He's not on the hunt for corners, Jimmy. He knows. He knows 
Manny Diaz has what he needs at the cornerback position, and then a little bit some. He is on the hunt for wide receivers, and he is going to continue to talk about and focus on that position throughout the rest of this spring and moving into fall camp and as you get ready for the 2023 season. Trust me. The conversation about McLean and his potential just reminds me of the old potential just means you haven't done it yet. Okay, Andy, uh, let's move on. Not only was James Franklin asked about the portal, guy, the new guys from the portal, he was also asked about the early entries, the true freshmen who made their way there, and round up the usual names. We got compliments for the young offensive linemen, and he calls it the three of them, which means not just Bershmeyer and Javen Williams, but at also Anthony Donka. And I think we have the two linebackers, meaning Rojas and Robinson, who've been impressive. And then he, by name, mentioned Elliot Washington, the cornerback, uh, making a nice play. So it, it's interesting when you talk about the freshmen. The unfortunate part is we'll always measure these guys against the class of 22. So many guys stepped in and played immediately. But it does sound like the the names you want to hear about are making a positive impression in this class of 23. And the most important of that group to me, Jimmy, is going to be the offensive linemen because, yeah, they were the they were the stars of this class, right? Like they were the they were the cream of the crop for the 2023 recruiting class. But they're going to be they're going to be Penn State's depth, you know. For, for the most part, they're, they're talented enough that you're not going to want them starting, but you're going to want them to, to develop a little quicker and, and be those guys that can play depth. And it doesn't wouldn't surprise me at all if at least one of them found themselves on the field with injuries and guys getting hurt and position moving around. That There's a real opportunity for at least one of those three that he mentioned to play at some point in this season, it's it seems to me more likely than not. How's that for a way to put it? It seems more likely than not. And they were your best guys. And James is like, we understand now we're in a three-year sort of cycle with high-end recruits. We've got, we don't have to get them on the field, but we have to create opportunity. And if you're a true freshman offensive lineman, being a backup and being part of the mix, that's a big step. And I think he's he's saying, I think these guys are going to provide that for us this year. That's just my two cents. Linebacker's linebacker. You, you know what you got there. That's pure depth, and that's future talking. Uh, cornerback, we already talked about that. Just, yeah, there's no room at the end on the field right now unless guys, multiple guys get hurt. But I really think it's the offensive lineman that could really, you know, have some legitimate on-field impact. To your point about the offensive line, you first the long range you got to think about can Birchmeyer, Javen Williams, Anthony Donka be part of the foundation from twenty four forward? You add them to uh, Shelton and Yuane, who came in last season. You're now building depth and a foundation for the future at that position. And but also to your point, Andy, think about last season where Caden Wallace was hurt, Fashnu was hurt, Tengwall was hurt, all at the same time. And guess Correct. what? 
Drew Shelton found himself in a starting position and on the field. So it could happen at the offensive line. Andy, that's it for quarter number two. Stick around. Quarter number three, we've got your questions, and we're going to ask Andy. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. That means it's time that we ask Andy. This is where we take your questions for Andrew P. Shea. We'll uh, see how he answers them. At the end of the segment, we're going to pick out the best question, or actually Andy's going to pick out the best question, and that winner will get a prize pack from our buddies at 409tailgateclub.com. Some great uh, coffee barbecue rubs are part of that package. You want to be sure to try that out. So remember, 409tailgateclub.com. Andy, are you ready for the questions? Let's do it. Fire away, Jimmy. All right, let's go after you right away. That's what Craig what? from Twinsburg has done. He says, Andy, your take on Stone Saunders recruiting is 180 degrees different from what the rest of the world is reporting. There's a reason Penn State hasn't offered and probably will not offer at this point. And uh, let's see. And it's not that they are afraid that Stone will only consider an elite program. He doesn't ask a question, but I'll ask your reaction to Craig from Twinsburg's thoughts on Stone Saunders. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I think he's right. There is a reason Penn State isn't 
going to offer him. I, there is a little bit of, I, I agree that there is a little bit of, he might be, some schools might see him differently than others at a certain level. I think there's a little bit of, you know, he's got some stuff, a, a few things that he needs to work on as a, as a high end recruit. And I also think, you know, just from, you know, a decade of experience that, you know, James kind of knows what he likes and wants in a quarterback and he might not just see, he might not see it in this kid. It might not be what James likes, wants and needs. And that's how it's going to be in recruiting. I, I, I don't think he's wrong. He, he, I, I'm still think I'm right, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's wrong. 100% agree with him. Well, and, and I think I'm going to throw in my two cents here too, Andy. First of all, scouting of these high school players is a very, very inexact science, okay? And everyone has a different taste in their recruits. But what I will mention, he talks about every other recruiting service or whatever. I wonder how many of those people have actually seen the kid play. Right. And Having seen the kid play doesn't mean you're going to be 100% right, Andy, but it does mean you get a little different perspective on the player. And I'm always excited when we have conversations here about players that you see live or any of our guests have seen live because you get a different perspective and you get an actual perspective on how they played versus a highlight tape or even worse, Gee, Alabama offered the kids, so we must be a five star. Yeah, and you're they're always so recruiting is a little bit about when we talk, I'm talking about what I see. And you you have to remember he's 16 years old, right? He was a 15 year old starting freshman quarterback. Recruiting is about a lot about what's he look like at 20 or 19 or even 21 years old. What does he look like? As he matures, I look at this. I look at the tools and skills that he has, and how he works and develop, and how he's working to develop those. Everyone has a hole. Everyone has shortcomings. It's not identifying those necessarily. It's what you do with what you got, because as you mature and you get more thing and go to other levels, you get the kind of you know tools and coaching that help you eliminate some of that. So. I just think he has a really high ceiling, Jimmy, a really high ceiling. It'll be interesting to see how he does over the years. And let's also remember, from what I'm reading, he's got offers from teams like Michigan, Texas A&M. Not, not too bad. All right, let's, uh, let's go to Mike and State College, who said, you recently had a discussion about potential areas of weakness for the upcoming season. Neither of you spoke about the special teams group. There'll be a complete turnover at all the skill position, including the heralded snapper. I Correct. would think that this would be part of the group we're most concerned for the upcoming season. Your thoughts? It's a very good point, Mike, in State College. Chris Stoll's been the long snapper, gosh, you know, four years, I think. 19, 20, 21, 22, he's been the starting long snapper. He's an he, – he, matured his body and became an outstanding uh, high-end long snapper. He's taken his crack at the NFL, which is a strange odyssey and journey for long snappers going, you know, trying to become professionals at the next level in the NFL. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I think it is, but I also think Penn State hasn't had real problems in special teams for at least three or four seasons, right? So it hasn't been like, oh my gosh, the special teams are absolutely killing this team. I forget what year it was, but it was just a train wreck. Uh, maybe it was 18 or was it 19, Jimmy? I think it was 18 where they were, you know, it cost them games. Like special teams was costing them games. It's not hurting them. So therefore, you know, it's hard to identify special teams. It is very important. It is the third component that everybody forgets about. Mike has a really strong point. And, and Andy, let's be really candid here with Mike. You're, you're right that there should be concern that, you know, there's changeover. It'll be a new kicker, new, new punter. But as people who put out content about the football team, it's hard to do a long segment on the punter and the kicker. It's like, well, they lost the last kicker who was really good. There's going to be a new kicker. I hope he's going to be good. So it's a little different than talking about uh, the other positions. Let's go to Sean in Danville, California. This is the other Danville. In the short time that Penn State President Neely Benapudi has been around, she's already replaced 10 out of 18 from her executive team. How safe is Patrick Kraft in his role of athletic director? Well, first, I was not aware that she had replaced that much of her executive staff. But let's uh, let's put this uh, question about I'm, I'm going to take this one, Andy, real quick. I'll yeah, let you ahead. offer your two cents. But I think Patrick Kraft has made a positive impression on everybody. Uh, James Franklin speaks highly of him uh, when he talks about the alignment as head football coach with the athletic director, with the president of the university. It sounds like they're all on the same page. I just can't imagine that Patrick Kraft is on thin ice. Um, I I just don't see that as part of the equation at all. Andy, go ahead. Your thoughts? Yeah, I don't. There's not. There hasn't been anything that tells you that, or to raise a red flag where. And when it comes to Patrick Kraft as the athletic director, and secondly, he's not afraid to say the sort of uncomfortable things out loud. And, you know, identify them and, and say them. And you got to respect that. He's sort of out there, you know, fighting for his school. He's just not walking the line and towing the company line. He's like, yeah, us playing on the road and opening on the road for every Big Ten game is you-know-what, you know, puck. And good for him. He's not afraid to say what he thinks either. And an example of that is Penn State football has for years had to play their first Big Ten game on yep. the road. An incredible number of years on the road. What is it, seven, eight, nine years? And nobody said one word officially. Patrick Kraft did, though. And he he's making it known. I think that shows a certain strength that he's not afraid to rock the boat a little bit, to, to your point. Uh, let's go to Ryan in Reynoldsville, who said, gentlemen, a few weeks ago, you talked about stadium renovation recommendation. Um, I think a large part of our identity as a fan base is having a loud, huge stadium. And one of the main reasons people go to games is they can help influence the outcome of the game. My question is, how important do you think it is 
in a renovation to retain having one of the loudest, loudest and largest stadiums in the country? Uh, that's a good question, Ryan. I think, yes, it helps. Do you need whatever it is? What is a hundred and three, a hundred and six thousand? I don't even know. I know it's over a hundred thousand, whatever it is over a hundred thousand. Do you need that to create the fan experience that is required today going forward? Right? Like this has to be almost, you have to think like, what is the experience in five years and 10 years after we finish rebuilding this stadium. I, I don't think you need 107,000. I think you can make it pretty loud with 90. And do you create a better experience because you lost 17,000 seats? I don't think that makes that much of a difference. I don't think 17,000 people make that much of a difference, but the experience that you create does. And if you need the space to do it, then you need the space to do it. I don't think it changes the atmosphere at Penn State one bit. I agree with you, Andy. However, in talking to some of the people who are involved in the decision-making process, it seems like there's a great deal of pride in the university and having that over 100,000 people as part of it. So, But to your point, whether it's 107, 103, 98, 92, the acoustics of the place and the noise – that is a big part of what yep. Penn State is all about. As fans, you feel like you're part of more than just a college football game. It's an event. You call the game a whiteout. And if you remember, some folks were concerned this past year because the whiteout game was Minnesota. It wasn't Michigan or Ohio State or even Auburn, which it was the year before. Uh, that... It, it didn't matter that it was Minnesota. It mattered that it was a whiteout game. Correct. And the fans reacted appropriately for that. All right, Andy, we've only got time to name our winner. Who do you have? So, you know what? He asked about special teams. And even though you eloquently countered and said, you know, it's hard to talk about special teams, it's important, so I'm going to go with Mike from State College. I mean, it's, Very, it's a good question, and they do have everybody new, and he's not wrong. I may have shrugged you off, Mike, but Andrew P. Shea did not. He respects the special teams. He respects the question. So, Mike, you are our winner. Now I want you all to stay tuned. Quarter number four, the coach is back. That's right, we got Coach Canuti back, and he did a video on Drew Aller, what he sees. He has the positives, he has the negatives, and he put it all together, and he's going to tell us all about that in quarter number four. Make sure you stay tuned for that. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. 
Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news, 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante with our really special guest. It's the coach, Nick Caduti. Coach, it's been a while. Welcome back to the show. Jim, what's going on, man? It's great to see you again. I love being on. Oh, fantastic. I know we kind of waited for you to get through your own season, high school football. Give a quick shout out to your team. You had a nice season, didn't you, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our kids were uh, our kids were on fire, man. We um, uh, won our first playoff game in school history. Uh, we actually ended up going three rounds. Uh, lost to a uh, team that probably should have won a state title. Um now I'm proud of them. It was it was a good year. We broke a lot of records. Scored about 55 points a game. Came out of nowhere. Um, hopefully I don't uh, screw it up and everybody thinks I'm a genius again. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we know you're the genius. I would follow from afar, look up some of the scores of your games, and I see 70 points put up, and I think this is a guy I need to talk to about football on the offensive side. I'm using that as my segue. Coach, you put out those great videos on YouTube on the For the Bloggy channel. And your most recent video, you took a look at Penn State's incumbent. He's going to be the starter this coming year, and that's Drew Aller. Let's start with this. We all know he's a big kid with a big arm, but he's got a lot more going for him than that, right? You know, really what I like about Drew, and it's not even his size, you know, he's a big kid. Most high school kids that are five-star pocket passers are. Really what I thought about Drew was his ability to maneuver the pocket. You know, a lot of big guys struggle with the footwork and they struggle finding their way through the pocket. Um, I was really impressed uh, just watching the, the plays that he had, watching the fact that, you know, even thrown in as a true freshman, he's 18 years old, getting out there in the Big Ten, playing football games in front of 60,000 people. Um, and, and, you know, he made some freshman rookie mistakes, I guess you could call them. But for the most part, man, his ability to maneuver a pocket, feel pressure, step up, uh, keep his eyes downfield, those are things that are 
those aren't true. Those are those are hard to teach. Those are a, a feel, right? You know, they talk about how, a, a guy that's got it. Um, I think Drew has it when it comes to some of that. And when you talked about his positive traits, one of the things that you pointed out was his accuracy. And a lot of times that gets lost when you just see, again, a big kid with such a strong arm. I got to think that that accuracy is as important a trait as you're going to find for a quarterback. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of coaches that will sit down and, you know, I had an old coach, um, I had an old coach at BYU tell me, he said, you know, you don't, you don't make quarterbacks. You know, kids are kids can throw a ball or they can't, right? Like, if I line up a bunch of seventh graders in front of each other and just start having them throw to each other, you can tell who's going to be able to throw the ball. And it's a natural thing to just be able to have that that understanding of depth perception, proprioceptive skills, and, and he has it. You know, when his feet are consistent, his ball placement is very consistent. Um, I've seen some coach. I've seen some quarterbacks where their footwork was very efficient and very consistent, but they're at the end of it all, they really weren't a totally accurate passer. And so, what I've found with him is, you know, his footwork is truly, I think, the segue to his arm. I think that, you know, when he is in a rhythm with his feet and he steps up and he keeps his base, I really start seeing those accurate throws that he delivers and his ability to throw some balls that he's thrown. I, I don't think people understand for a guy to be able to throw from the left hash, an out route to the other sideline at 15 to 20 yards, that's like a 45-yard throw. And he throws that thing like it's like he's just flicking the wrist, and it is on the money when his feet are set. Um, and I think that's really impressive to see a kid be able to do that at that age, um, especially knowing that there's so many things going on around him that, uh, you know, that they're – there's so many things that could just that could take away from the one thing that makes him a quarterback, and that's his accuracy. You also pointed out a couple highlights, which I found interesting, especially for such a young quarterback, where there were instances where he went through his progressions, had multiple looks, then was still able to throw the ball on the mark to a player who hadn't broken open yet. That's not typical of a freshman, is it? No, in fact, that's not typical of a lot of quarterbacks. You know, a lot of quarterbacks, you know, when you look at the progress, when you look at progress and you look at the way things work with a quarterback and the way that he reads a play, a lot of coaches look at different things. You know, you've got the four vertical guy who's trying to find windows and and things like that. You've got guys that are looking at different levels. You know, your assist does a lot of levels um, where he tries, you know, like he'll look for the flat to the intermediate out to the deep out, whatever it might be. And his ability to check from one, two, three to four and throw those on time and get his feet underneath himself is really impressive. He threw a couple, he threw a couple benders. Uh, some people call them digs. Um, he threw a couple benders and digs um, right over the middle between a, right in front of a safety as an out, as a backer is expanding to his hook to curl. The kid starts to break it. And I can already see that his hips are there. His arm is breaking. His front arm is breaking from the ball. Um, he's driving his hips into that throw. Uh, and that kid hasn't even turned his head yet, you know, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, I'll be honest with you, I'll use a personal example. I, I actually think I broke a kid's nose the other day throwing a ball to him <laughs> because we're, th- <laughs> I'm trying to teach these kids, I, you know, you've got to, you've got to get your eyes around. You got to throw this thing on time. You can't throw to an open receiver. You have to throw a receiver open. And, um, you know, I, and he does a very good job of that. And I know guys like your sister, you know, licking their chops and on a kid can see a window before it happens. And the uh, let's stay with the positives. We will get to those couple negatives that you talked about in your video. But the other part is 
and I think it's underrated, his ability to not only move within the pocket, but also scramble and run. And I think what happens too often, again, we stereotype, here's a big kid, he's not a runner, he's not a dual threat. I thought he was pretty decisive when he did decide to run, and it's not so easy to tackle 6'5", 240. You know, I I never went back and looked at his 40 times at, the, at his uh, at his workouts, you know, but let me tell you something, that big boy can move. It's pretty impressive to watch. Um, you know, and I think man, if I go back and look, he was considered a dual threat uh, in in uh, according to like two four seven, I think. And you know, it shows. Man, when he decides he's going to put that ball down, uh, he showed some speed. Now, because he's so big, his legs aren't moving at the speed because he's got this long stride, so it's very deceptive. But when I watched him run away from a linebacker uh, in a game, I can't remember who they were playing for the life of me. And, and he had come up, and, and he 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 looked at he looked downfield, and the linebacker had an angle on him, and he outran him um, and broke a tackle. And it's really impressive to watch a big kid like that be able to just go. And the one thing like I told you before, I really liked is that he falls forward. I mean, that's a massive human being. You know, I, I think the normal person doesn't truly understand what six five two fifty looks like. You know, and, and that's a big kid. That's Ryan Leaf style. You know, I, I, I remember when I was, uh, when I was playing ball, I remember that we had, uh, we had Quincy Carter. I played with Quincy Carter for a year. You know, he wasn't considered to be a big kid, a big quarterback, but he was six foot four, 220 pounds. And that guy was massive, you know? And it's like, God, these dudes are big, you know, they don't think about that. Uh, and for his ability to move the way he did, I was really impressed. I would imagine they start to look bigger when you're responsible for tackling them and you're giving up 30 or 40 pounds. <laughs> Especially when his leg's the size of a tree trunk, absolutely. <laughs> and if you think about it, other than defensive tackles, he's probably bigger than everybody else on the defensive side of the ball. So it, it's a, it's got to be a challenge to take him down. Mm-hmm. All right, we talk about a lot of the positives but there are a few of the negatives that you point out. But the good thing is, it sounds like they're fixable items. Let's talk about his footwork, which you talked about, uh, Coach. Okay, so the thing about a kid like that, okay, is when you look at a quarterback and you want to, when you want to talk about accuracy. So when you teach a quarterback how to throw, the first thing you have to look at is his footwork. And because there's a lot of things that happen, but when you throw, it's about being in a base and having, having good sound base, have good sound fundamentals with your feet so that your hips can open. You know, it's like a baseball pitcher. You know, a pitcher, the good thing about a pitcher is he's always, in the, he's always on the mound. He has the same base. He has the same stance. He has the same drive. And that's why he can be so accurate with his pitches. You know, there's this, but there's also that reason why the shortstop who's throwing off the side of his hip and he's trying to sidearm something over there to the first baseman because he just got something off a of one skip, you know, it's different. So it's not going to be perfectly accurate. So what people understand is when you're consistent with your footwork, the consistency in your arm and the accuracy at the end result is going to be there. And he really does struggle a little bit with it sometimes. Sometimes he, you know, he, there was one real one I forgot who they played again. It might have been Michigan State or, or something like that. He throws like a now screen, like a little smoke screen to the boundary, right? It's a it's a 10-yard throw, not even 15-yard throw. He sails it because his his feet are wide. He leans back, elbow drops, you know, and it's like, you can't do that, right? That's definitely a freshman mistake. And those are the things that you look at and say, you can't do that. 
right? But then I go see him throw a 15-yard digger out because his feet are set. He just strikes that thing in there like a money ball. And it's like, okay, he's got it. He just has to get consistent and comfortable with his and I think that's that's a fixable thing. And you know, those are the, those are those balls you see a kid throw a hitch and it just sails on him. Man, it's because his feet weren't right. Is it either his feet weren't right or his elbow drops? One of the two. And so I think those are easily fixable. And like I said, man, I'm a big Yurcich fan. I I will go on the record, man. I believe in that guy. Um, heck, I'm going to try to come out to spring ball this year if I can. Uh, that would be great to hear from you after talking to Yurcich. But when you talk about that, and I'm as a lay person, it looked like every example where his footwork was wrong, he looked flat-footed. And it wasn't that lead foot was not going in the direction of the receiver. Is it really just as simple as that? And he loses focus on those plays? Yeah. And, and a lot of guys, because their arms are so strong that they think they can get away with it. Right. And they can. Um, but a lot of guys, you know, they'll try to strike their arm in there. When they do that, they'll overstroke, they'll overstroke it. They'll, they'll, their, their hips will turn too much. You know, guys that have extremely strong arms, struggle with accuracy at times because they've gotten away with using their strong arm. Be- because they can. Real quickly, <laughs> in the last minute or so we have, Coach, what should Penn State fans expect from Drew Aller in the 23 season? You're going to get some drop back. Um, I think you're going to get a drop back guy. Uh, I think the run game has been so efficient. I think they have found their niche, right? They found their niche. Uh, they got the two running backs coming back. They got the O-line ready to go. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of you're going to see some more drop back. You're going to see a lot of play action. Um, but man, I want to see him grow. You know, I think Clifford was a great quarterback, a good runner, a heck of a leader. You know, I don't know Drew's leadership ability. I, I think that's probably the biggest the question mark that everybody's going to have for him. But I think it's this: you're going to see a kid who's going to grow. You need to understand that he's still a young kid who's going to grow and he's going to learn. But there's talent around him. They have uh, done a good job recruiting it, and I'm really excited, man, because that kid is. He has the potential to be a first-round draft pick if he does things the right way. Fantastic information, Coach. And again, a reminder, go to For the Bloggy YouTube channel. Great videos from the coach. Coach, hopefully we'll have you on again real soon. you got to do more videos, and we'll have you on. And thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. 
truststatecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lion's soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. 